Hello and welcome to the MTP Connect podcast, Your Dignum with you. Today we're spotlighting another of our Growth Centre Project Fund programs, IMNIS, or the Industry Mentoring Network in STEM program. It's a program driving greater research, industry collaboration and understanding. And from a small pilot in around 2015, it's grown to involve more than 650 participants today. Dr. Marguerite Evans-Galia is the Executive Director of IMNIS with the Australian Academy of Technology and Engineering. And she joins us today in the MTP Connect podcast studio, as does our CEO, Dr. Dan Grant. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks, Good to Drew. be here. Maggie, if I can mm-hmm. call you Maggie, sure. um, that pilot program must seem like a, a decades ago, right? A long time ago. Yeah. It was actually before I came on board. And so in 2015, 2016, three incredibly passionate co-founders came together with their friends of friends to kickstart the industry mentoring network in STEM across three states. Uh, that's Professor Paul Wood, Tony Radford and Ronnie Wood. And uh, they they poured their heart and soul into it as well as a bit of their own money and time uh, to really kickstart the program. And what was the reason, what was the motivation for setting IMNIS up? The motivations really were about the culture, uh, to, to foster a culture of connections and collaboration between industry and academia. So Paul Wood had been to the US and experienced that very vibrant culture that occurs there between the different sectors. And I've been there myself, so I know exactly what he's talking about. And there's a lot of collaborations uh, and crosstalk between industry and academia. And often you'll have industry groups coming to academic conferences, which is a really fantastic experience for everyone. But that was the primary motivator. He didn't see that culture here in Australia, and so that's what he wanted to foster. Talk about culture. Why is it that Australia's evolved, our science community's evolved in in a different way with, with perhaps not as much collaboration between industry and academia? I think part of it is just our size and our geographical isolation. That's part of it. But we're also um, much more aligned with the UK model uh, than the US model. And so in the US, uh, a lot of students will come through their PhD with industry as the endpoint in mind. Uh, particularly if they're a citizen of the US, they really want to drive towards having an industry role. And they also have a lot of international students come through and they look for opportunities as well. So I think it's just a, it's, it's a culture that's fostered a little more in terms of the career opportunities that are offered. Dan, your experience in terms of, um, you know, being in, in, in research, being at a university and then connecting somehow with, with industry? Yeah, look, I, th- I think it's really critical that students connect with industry during their PhD. You know, th- I, I've been involved with the IMNIS program before I joined MTP Connect. as Pro Vice Chancellor for Industry Engagement at La Trobe University. We were one of the early, if not probably the first university to take up the program. Correct, and, yeah. and it was fantastic to just see the way the students would engage in the program and, and the benefits they saw. You know, to Maggie's point, we are a bit more traditional here in terms of our our academic path or, or the PhD program, much more focused on on doing the research and less engaged with industry. And I think we're trying to change that. So, so this type of program, these programs are really important. Get the students involved. Get them to realize that there is something outside of an academic career. You know, and, 
And you only have to think that there are more PhD students registered in universities in Australia than there are academic positions in total in Australia. So 90% of those people have to go somewhere else. This is a great opportunity for them to see where they might go, what types of skills are needed. And just it's almost a try-before-you-buy program for, for many people. We had Claretta, who, mm. who you know well, yes. um, was a mentee for the previous CEO at MTB Connect. She then came and actually worked at La Trobe University for two days a week in my department and now has gone on to work at Oz Biotech. And it's a great stepping stone for, for students to see what is out there. Well, tell us how it works, Maggie. So the idea is that we team up an early stage PhD student who's very early in their career, or even if they're a little more advanced, they're early in their PhD. And the idea is that we team them up with an influential executive level industry mentor, someone who's got a lot of experience, well over 10 years experience in the sector. They may have had an academic career prior to that, and so they're often very senior people. Uh, and so the idea is that they come together for a year and have a coffee once a month, ideally. That's what we encourage to talk about the career opportunities that are out there, educate the student about the industry sector and how it interacts with government and academia more broadly, to work on their soft skills, so interpersonal skills, transferable skills, negotiation, strategizing, those sorts of things. Things, as well as to extend their professional network, which beyond academia is a hard thing to do unless you have a contact at, outside of academia. And what's the take-up rate like? It's, it's varied. And so it really depends on the capacity of the university to promote IMNIS uh, because we're still growing at the moment. And so our ability to engage directly with students in every single university in Australia is limited. But uh, through social media, we've built a very strong public profile. And that's a fantastic way to engage young people. And so a lot of students are now hearing about it. And we're getting a lot of inquiries into our inbox. Uh, asking is my university involved and we sort of have to have that conversation and so we have 17 uh, universities in Australia at the moment participating they're in Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia and Western Australia. These universities are you know, seeing this as an opportunity to invest in Australia's future STEM leaders. I think that's exactly how mentors are seeing it as well. We are investing in our future STEM workforce across the board, no matter where these students go. And Dan's absolutely right in that most of them will exit academia. We have 5,000 PhD students in STEM graduating every single year and academia alone cannot absorb that many graduates. So to turn some of these ideas that come out of universities into commercial products, you do need this uh, workforce in industry, right? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's not just benefiting the students who leave and go into industry, but it's benefiting industry. And I think that your mentors are seeing a great benefit of having those students engaged with them, bringing in bringing into their sphere the, the new research that's being done, the new opportunities that are coming. So I think it's just a natural link between early stage research and and the industry sector. I saw a quote that was along the lines of colleagues are great, but it's uh, mentors where all of the work gets done. Would would you agree with that about the, the importance of mentoring? Oh, my word, yes. <laughs> um, mentoring is something that you remember for your entire career. 
these students will remember this one year with this person for a very long time to come. And a positive mentoring experience can actually turn into a sponsorship experience where that person becomes a champion going forward for that student or for that individual. And that's to me, is a very positive outcome. We need sponsorship uh, in the STEM sector, particularly for women and, you know, young people coming through who are from culturally diverse areas. It's really important to have someone who will champion you and, and advise you and boost your confidence. But it's also, you know, these industry mentors want to give back. They're very generous people. I have been blown away by the amount of time they commit to, a, you know, their PhD student. They feel very strongly about it. They're constantly asking questions. They want to do their best and they want to help that student as much as possible. And and Dan is right. It is an, an inside view into their future workforce, but they, they also genuinely just have a feel-good experience from it of giving back. Have you had a, a mentoring experience, Dan? Look, I've, I've, I've I've been a mentee, and I, and I want to touch on that because I think it is really important that throughout almost everybody's career, there are one or two or maybe three people who really have an impact on where you end up and what you do. And, and they don't have to be formal mentors, but, but they tend to be people that, that can give you that advice and that interaction. And so I've had a number of those people throughout my career. Perhaps many, many years ago as a PhD student, there wasn't that industry link. So those mentors were academic groups or academic individuals. But as I moved through my career, then um, my last mentor was the head of venture for Pfizer in the U.S. And, you know, that was a fantastic opportunity to engage with somebody at a very senior level in the company and understand not just the day-to-day workings, but the politics, to be able to ask questions about things that you can't ask your immediate supervisor. And these young students, you know, the, some of them will be struggling in their programs. They don't have people they can talk to about about the challenges. The mentors can can be that, that sounding board. And so I think it's really important. These relationships, if, if they're, you know, if they're established right, will last for the entire life of the student. They'll keep going back and having those conversations. Correct. And the power of that is even if they stay in academia, they have an industry network they can reach out to for future collaborations. And that's part of the goal of the program is to to just increase those connections and collaborations between industry and academia. I also encourage students to consider a team of mentors that come from different parts of different sectors. So, you know, go and talk to someone who does policy for a living. Go and go and talk to a science communicator. So I think it's an opportunity for students to get a broader horizon on what's out there. It can be really tough when you're deep down in the throes of a second year of PhD and all you see are your experiments and your research questions and the fact that nothing's working and you have to proceed and you can really suffer the second year blues. And so a mentor coming in and boosting your confidence and helping you understand that there there are a lot of opportunities out there following a PhD. A PhD gives you incredible skill sets of, you know, problem solving, critical thinking, analysis, etc. And so to me, they don't always see that when you're deep in the throes of a PhD and your primary focus is your research. So the level of interest among potential mentees is is strong and growing. Yes. What about awareness f- from industry for people who want to be involved as a, as a mentor? Uh, industry is on board, I can tell you that now. So um, I 
do a lot of social media through LinkedIn as well, which is where a lot of our industry mentors will reside. And uh, Twitter tends to be more academic. So we reach out to students and academics through Twitter and through LinkedIn, it's industry mentors. And and they're just, the, the word of mouth is phenomenal. And so I'm very impressed with the power of the word of mouth. And so industry mentors are talking about what they're doing, what they're getting out of the program. We've now introduced a leaders forum where we bring all of the industry mentors together with guest speakers. They love that uh, environment and that opportunity to connect more closely because then they're also extending their professional network across the entire state and sectors. Mm. And I imagine there would be a flip side benefit, not not just the uh, industry person giving back, but they're getting they're getting information, they're getting knowledge from the mentees as well. Absolutely. And so they do get that insight into what their future workforce will want and what the drivers are, what are the motivators. And what's really a ripple effect benefit is that a lot of students will raise uh, issues like diversity and inclusion or, you know, equal pay. Those sorts of harder questions can sometimes arise within the context of mentoring. And it, it really does allow mentors. I've had a few mentors say to me, I hadn't considered it from that perspective. It's really insightful to have a young person's view or an early stage, uh, you know, student's view. So it's one of those things where I think the benefits for both sides are strong. And you mentioned 17 universities are participating. Mm. You've got just about Australia-wide coverage. What about in the regions? What's the take-up like, the interest like in regional Australia? There is interest. And so particularly in New South Wales and Victoria, there's interest. And so over the next year, we want to introduce a pilot because I think the challenge with regional areas is tapping into that local industry network. But we've also, you know, come to realise that the benefits of interacting interstate via remote mentoring will be will be a huge plus to the program. So through the CCRM Australia partnership, we ran an international mentoring pilot and that was with five PhD students and five international mentors based in the UK and the US. And the power of that was impressive. I was a little sceptical and, you know, worried at first, thinking what will happen with this particular pilot. It just took off. I could not believe how well these people interacted via Zoom or via Skype. And that to me, you know, is demonstration that this has the ability to work, particularly if it's strongly supported by the IMNIS team. I facilitated that first introduction to ensure that everybody was on the same page. And that's the kind of model I see going forward nationally. Mm-hmm. Dan, we're, we're all working hard to um, facilitate industry research collaboration. And it seems like with IMNIS and, and other programs, when you just open the, the channels of communication, that it happens. There's, there's a real um, need for it, a want for it. Yeah, look, I, I would agree with that. I think that, that it is about making those connections introducing people. I, I love the idea of the, the regional remote component of IMNIS because we've got regional universities who are very much embedded in the local community. And so to Maggie's point about needing access into the industries in those communities, those industries are very much interested in engaging with universities, with researchers. They, they probably just don't know how to do it. And so I think IMNIS is a way of, of linking a student to the local businesses and just building that relationship more. And as you say, you know, the industry is, is open to this. They recognize the importance of it. It's a matter of making the relationships happen. 
if people are interested in knowing more, Maggie, do they just check out your website? How do they how do they follow up? So we're on social media, as I've said, on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so we capture all audiences possible. Uh, and our website is imnus.org.au. So it does have a lot of information and our contact information is there as well. Check it out. Check it out. Now, I should have mentioned earlier, you're also um, the co-founder and CEO of Women in STEM. How much progress are we making in terms of uh, getting greater involvement in STEM from uh, women? Outstanding progress, I think, um, compared to where we were five years ago. Uh, I have seen an incredible growth in the momentum uh, of engagement with both girls and women in STEM. In particular, the power of the public profile in boosting uh, women in STEM's public profile, but not just that. It, it provides role models for young people. It also opens up opportunities for them to share their research more broadly, and that captures a larger audience and also makes people aware of uh, their research and their work. I think it's also important to realise that we're breaking down stereotypes, what uh, you know a scientist looks like. It's typically a, a white Caucasian male balding with glasses. That's often what high school students will draw. Yes, and Dan is in shock. And so if, if, you, if you picture that for a moment, that's often what we'll see on TV, often what we see stereotyped in movies, and, and that is shifting. Uh, every time I turn on the ABC, I see a new face, and it's often a woman, a culturally diverse woman, a younger woman, an older woman. It's really refreshing to see that change happening. As someone who's been embedded in this deeply for the last five years, I can see the change. I think it's harder for others externally perhaps to see it, but for me it's an incredibly exciting time to be a woman in STEM. In, in IMNIS, mm. um, the mentees, what's the take-up rate? Uh, the gender balance. Very, very proudly, we are at parity with mentees, um, but that's not a hard thing to do at that particular stage of the career because we know that around 60% of our science graduates are women. And so it's our mentor cohort that I work very hard with in terms of parity and diversity. And so in the first year we were at parity, we were 50-50. However, this year we are now 40-60, so 40% women. And so it's going to be ongoing hard work to ensure that we engage women leaders as mentors. And I do tap into the Women in STEM Australia network to do that. And, and there are just so many women in industry groups as well women in mining, women in subsea engineering, all those groups are starting to engage now with IMNIS and that's exciting because that brings in more role models uh, in those really, really traditionally male-dominated areas. So a majority of graduates in STEM are women. Correct. It's that link from, from academia, I suppose, into industry. Oh, it's in both sectors. So academia and industry face similar problems, particularly when it comes to women in leadership. Uh, you know, the ASX 200 has very few CEOs who are women. And so it's about engaging uh, women at the board level, engaging women in the C-suite. And so that's very much a focus of that sector at the moment. It's also the Science in Australia Gender Equity Initiative, which is broadly focused on academia right now. 
It's engaged with a lot of universities in the higher education sector and other organisations to really foster best practice and policy around the development of uh, great ways to support and boost and accelerate women in STEM and, and help them progress in their career. That could easily be translated to the industry sector. The model would shift, you know, it would need to be tweaked. But the idea of ensuring that we award uh, organisations and reward them for doing well in terms of gender equity and, and really fostering their women leaders, I think is, is an incredibly simple idea. Okay, let's uh, look at IMNIS in the near future. What's, what's, what's on your horizon? What's on the radar for the next big development for IMNIS? The vision for IMNIS is an all-of-STEM program. So right now we are a little restricted in the disciplines that we focus on. So MedTech, med Pharma, obviously, with the fantastic support of MTP Connect, you're our strongest partner and funder by far. And so two-thirds of the program is specifically in the medical technologies and pharmaceutical drug development areas. And so the idea is then to grow that into other areas. We have partners with energy resources and renewables as well as minerals resources, uh, as well as then we'd love to go into agriculture. But, you know, ag tech, biotech, those sorts of areas, uh, ICT technology, we need to really go all of STEM to ensure that we're catering to as many STEM PhD students as possible. We also have regular, increasingly frequent uh, inquiries from postdoctoral fellows. And so I can see the introduction of a postdoctoral program uh, as a lay-on to the top of the PhD student program. And that will be incredibly valuable to the sector because postdoctoral fellows really are often overlooked in the sector, particularly in academia. They tend to come in stay for one to five years and then and then exit the system. And so they don't always know how to do that with confidence and that's something that IMNIS is giving these students. They know how to career transition if they need to and when they want to. Well, Dan, I know the focus for us is obviously on medtech, biotech and pharma, but clearly the future's looking pretty bright for STEM in Australia. Look, I, I agree. I think it's fantastic. You know, the things that, that Maggie pointed out about women in STEM and, and that whole focus on STEM itself is, is really good to see in the in in Australia, and I think it's really important for the economy. I, I will touch on what Maggie said about postdocs and, and this program. I think that, that that's one of the areas that really will have an impact because when you leave with a PhD, you're still learning, you're still training, you're still learning to become a scientist. It's in those postdoctoral years that you really become proficient at your trade. And it's also at those at that point where you can then start to go and move out into industry. And, and that transition for those students is, or those people, is often difficult. So the postdoctoral connection, I think, is where IMNIS will really have a huge benefit in, in the sector. Future is bright. Dan, thank you for coming in. And Maggie, thank you too. Thank you for Thanks, having Stuart. me. Dr. Marguerite Evans-Galia from IMNIS and Dr. Dan Grant, the CEO of MTP Connect. And that's it for this week's episode of the MTP Connect podcast. Thank you for checking us out. If you haven't already done so, please uh, uh, subscribe wherever you get your uh, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever we're there. And uh, if you feel like it, you can give us a rating as well. And thanks also to Shannon for producing today's episode. So until next time.